listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 126, and that passage has already been read for you today, but we'll be going through it in a little more detail in a few moments. Psalm 126, and the ushers are forward right now. They have Bibles, they have pens, and they have um, cards if you need the connection card to take down any notes. If you didn't happen to get one of those, if you need a Bible, we we love for you to to have your Bibles with you. If you don't have a Bible, um, or if it's really old and, and, and you can't find it in your household, whatever, take one of these Bibles home with you. It's our gift to you. We want um, to be people in the Word uh, and, and not just hearing the Word, but reading it, following it, understanding it, underlining things in God's Word and, and taking notes. And so I encourage you to be taking notes and, and to be following along as we go through this passage here today from God's living and holy Word. I wonder today, how is your drive to church? How was your drive to church this morning? You know, was it just joyful and worshipful and relaxing and just like, oh, it's so good to come to church today? Um, That might be true for some of you who do not have children. Um, But maybe it's more like, ah, look at the time. Come on, we're late. We got to get moving. Come on, let's go. Get in, buckle up, and shut the door, you know, and you know what, come on, we, we got to get moving here, you know, and, 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 and possibly you came today and, and this 9.30 hour, you're still trying to adjust to it because after all, we bumped it a half hour when we switched from Dr. Knox to here and it's just like, oh, this is so early. Really? Is it 9.30? Really? Is it really that early? Good excuse. Good one. Um, you know what, that, that won't uh, run very far um, with, with me anyways. Maybe you can find someone to give you some sympathy on that, not from me. But um, I remember as a kid growing up, we would go to church as a family and as an ever-expanding family, there were six kids in the family, getting out the door on a Sunday morning was quite the activity. And it was like once we were finally all in the car and then later on the van, you know, as we had to keep expanding for a while, we all drove in the back of a truck like a bunch of rednecks but you know we did that just for a little while and then dad um, bought bought a a nice big full-size van for us all but I remember it was once we got into the vehicle and 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 kind of got in our places that's when my mom would dig into the purse and pull out the Kleenex and it was time for the spit clean you know any of you kids I mean as kids ever have that have you ever I mean that is gross disgusting and that was a downside to going to church was that you know and just well if you would have washed your face before you got into the vehicle you avoid this, you know, and so, you know, those mornings were very rarely very worshipful for anyone, and, you know, oftentimes, uh, that's the way Sunday mornings can be, oh, look at the time, let's get moving, you know, and um, uh, the Israelites, though, as we see here in the book of Psalms, they made it a practice to be preparing their hearts for worship, and, and, as they were going to the temple, they would sing certain songs. And, and, and I encourage you, on your way to church on a Sunday morning, have some music playing in the CD player. Not, you know what, from, you know, Sun FM or whatever it is. You know, I mean, be, be listening to, to some songs of worship. The Israelites would do that. And, and oftentimes, they would have to travel great distances. They would be traveling to Jerusalem. They'd be traveling to worship. And, and so as they were heading there, they would sing these songs called songs of ascent 
And these are found in Psalm 120 to 134, different songs that they would sing. The Israelites would sing as they would go to the temple. And sometimes it was on, on, on the Sabbath they would go and they would sing. And they're called songs of ascent because Jerusalem was built 27, I mean, it, it's situated 2,700 feet above sea level. And so it was a bit of a hike. And so as they were hiking up, so songs of ascent, they're rising up, they're walking up to Jerusalem, but also to their allowing their minds, their thinking, to be thinking about the things of God and leaving the stuff behind from the things of the week or the things that, that were going on in their minds. And so these songs of, of getting their focus, their attention back on God, and, and these songs would remind them of God's goodness, of his faithfulness in their lives and in, in the past, what he had done for them, but what he had done for the Israelites, for, for the people of God throughout the generations, throughout the centuries. And so, so there was this remembrance and, and, and this thanking God for what he was doing, but also it was also this leaning forward. Oh God, do it again. Oh God, show up in our lives. God, keep on continuing to work. And so you see this pull of thanksgiving, but also, oh God, don't stop. And as they would sing these songs, their hearts were being turned to God and to leave the things behind. Well, this morning, we're taking a bit of a pause from our series in the book of Acts. And, and here on our one-year anniversary, we have thought this is just a wonderful psalm for us to take and to look at and to focus on in God's word. And because we, we want to take and pause and say, God, thank you for what you have done. But God, we believe the work has just begun. And we want to keep going. And we want to keep trusting you for more and more. And, and so in Psalm 126, it's a reminder that you see here. I encourage you to write, write down the, these main points. That God's at work, so I will praise him. Having an attitude of thanksgiving, of praise. That when God's at work, so I will praise him. So, so let's get that uh, line up there. Um, when, and, and we read this in, in verse 1. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. This is Psalm 126, verse 2. Then our mouths filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Have you had something that you have hoped for, longed for, dreamed about, prayed for, and planned for? for uh, perhaps it, it's for weeks, months, or even years, and, and you're, you're just, you just can't wait for it to, to actually happen. Uh, have you been there? Have you ever had anything like that where, you, you know what, maybe it was, you know what, for, maybe it was your wedding. You're just like, oh, someday I hope to get married. Or some of you are still waiting for that. And, and, and that's okay. And, you know, or certain things, oh, to get out of school and to get that job and you dream for, plan for, hope for. And then finally when it happens, it's like, ah, this is amazing. I love this. Like it's happened. My dreams have been fulfilled. I love this. And, and, and this is awesome. Well, a little over a year ago, when our equipment arrived from Harvest Oakville, uh, Tom and Pam had just finished their Across Canada journey with our equipment. Uh, this is them arriving in Kelowna after leaving on a Sunday afternoon from Oakville and arriving, I think this was Thursday afternoon, with a truckload or a, a, a trailer load of supplies for us being gifted by our sending church, Harvest Oakville. And, and, and it was just like, wow! 
this is happening, this is pretty cool. And, and I remember we took it to the first Lutheran gym where we were meeting at the time on Sunday nights to plan to prepare. And, and we are taking out this equipment and we're like, oh, how are we going to, how does it all work? And we are struggling to get it all figured out and, and, and getting even the next picture. Um, things set together and figured out for Harvest Kids. And, 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 and then even just remembering it was about a year ago, just a year and a bit ago, had our first worship practice per se as they were figuring out the new equipment in Joel's shop. Notice that nice orange bug there on the right-hand side. Harvest Kelowna colors are orange. I think that vehicle should be gifted to the church. Um, you know, and, and so here they were just trying to get it all figured out. And, and, and it was exciting. And it was like the dream, the planning, the prayers that had been, people had been meeting for almost, well, for, from now, like three years ago, just praying and just saying, oh God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Oh God, would you do a work? And, and, but we didn't know what that would look like. But over time, it started piecing together, planning together, praying together, uh, figuring out, getting trained together. And, and you get to see what God ends up doing. And, and as you step back, you have to recognize God's, God's at work. God's doing this. This is his work. His work in our lives. And it's amazing when we can step back and see it. Because oftentimes in the midst of it, we often don't see God at work. But when we look back and we look at all that he's done, we're like, wow. Second of all, we see God's at work. And so, uh, or I mean still here, this, I will praise him. And, and, and it starts with a looking back. We have to look back and see what God has done. And that's the feeling, the emotion that we have here in these verses here in Psalm 126. These people are celebrating, they're remembering. And, and what are they celebrating? What are they remembering? Freedom. That they had been set free. They are recalling how once they were slaves, how they were in, in captivity, they were exiled, they were held in bondage and in, in foreign lands. And either this happened to them personally or it happened to their ancestors. And so they were remembering, we were once slaves and now we are free. And so we see these verses, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we're, they, they had been dreaming about it, they have been hoping for it, and now it was finally happening. They recall the, the, the slavery and the bondage that they were in, and, and how they had dreamed and longed and prayed for the day that they would be free, and now they're free, and so they are so thankful. And it says that as a result, their mouths were filled with laughter. They were filled with joy. There, there were shouts of joy, and, and, and the story of God then for the Israelites, the story of God all throughout redemptive history is the story of freedom. That we are being set free. Disobedience and sin right from Genesis, right from Genesis 3 leads to, to sin and to bondage and to slavery. And it became true for the Israelite nation whenever they drifted away from God's word in disobedience and figured they would do their own thing. It, in, the, in, in the end, it meant they were enslaved. But the gospel, the story of God is a story of freedom. Christ's death on the cross broke the curse of sin, broke the chains of bondage, and has set us free. Galatians 5 verse 1, encourage you to write down just that reference and look it up later. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. We've been set free. John 8, it says, it reminds us, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Christ has set us free. Are you free today? Has the curse of sin in your life been broken? 
If so, praise him and thank him. Be glad. Be filled with rejoicing. You know what? You can't go and change or alter your past. You can't. But your future can be changed. And when we choose Christ, he changes our future. And you know what he does with our past? He takes it and he washes it and he cleanses it with the precious blood of Christ that was shed upon us. He sets us free from it. The price for our sins, for our mistakes, our failures in the past are set free. They're they're washed, they're forgiven. But you have to repent in order for that to happen. And repentance just just doesn't mean, yeah, I'm sorry. It's a change of heart. It's, It's being willing to change your way of living. It's a new way of thinking. It's developing more and more, little by little, day by day, the mind of Christ. Allowing his spirit to change and to transform us. And the good thing is, We can't do that. His spirit does that in our lives, but we must be willing to submit to him and to his word in order for that to happen. When we live lives of obedience, through the power of his spirit, change happens in our lives, in our circumstances, but it takes time. Have you prayed the prayer of repentance? Have you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been baptized, making that declaration Publicly, like God's word commands us to do, that we are are in Christ, that we recognize the old is gone, the new is come, and we're making that public declaration. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He will give us the strength. He it's his peace that he gives to his children, not the peace by just having, oh. Things at home are finally kind of settled down and, you know, just the absence of of craziness. No, he gives us peace in the midst of chaos and craziness in our lives. There's peace in the midst of the storms of life because it's a peace that comes from him. Yes, this world, it does offer pleasures. It does offer um, fun and, 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 and kind of this intriguing kind of lifestyle. I must admit, I see at times people who, you know, whether it's on social media, I see different things, and, and you see like there is this, you know, celebration, and, and they're living. I mean, they're getting hammered. They're seeing all this, and they're smiling, and they're happy, and they're like, oh, I wish you were here. Not me. They're not inviting me. I don't get invited to those kind of things. But, you know, you just kind of see this. And, and yes, sin has its, its pleasure for a season, the things of this world, it offers. That's why it's so intriguing and, 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 and we want to, to, to search it out and, and yet it, it, it all leaves you empty, craving something more and more. But, and, and either you go deeper into sin to continue to find it or you say, no, enough is enough. Realizing the price has already been paid. Have you chosen Christ as your Lord, as your Savior? Choose freedom. Choose that freedom. Will you choose Slavery or freedom? And you know what? Indecision, that's a choice. That means you've already made a choice. Indecision means you're saying no. You must decide. And Hebrews 3 verse 15 says, If you hear his voice today, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did in the rebellion. What did the Israelites do? They heard the word of God. They, they knew the standard that God was calling to them, but they rebelled 
They harden their hearts, and, and as we hear the truth, our hearts can become harder and harder, and it becomes more difficult to hear the truth of God's word. And saying no and hardening their hearts is, is a decision to say no. Over and over again, we see Israel doing this, and they ended up in slavery. And yet, we see how God is faithful as the people called out to him, as they prayed to him. He came and he would set them free. When we are set free, there is joy. And it also goes on to say here in this passage that the nations notice, that other people notice that that God's doing a work in us. When there's a genuine work that is happening by the Spirit of God in and through us, it should be evident to those around us. They're seeing that we live differently. There's a joy, there's a peace that that others do not have. We have answers that that make sense because our answers are coming from, from God's Word. The people notice, verse 2, the Lord has done great things for them. And they go, yes, indeed, the Lord has done great things for us. And as we are being set free, we've got a story to tell. I once was blind, but now I see. I was dead in my sin, but now I'm alive in Christ. Is this your story? Have you declared this story? Have you declared it in baptism? Have you followed that command of Jesus? Are you declaring this story to people around you? We ought to be Be sharing our faith. Pillar number four, sharing the good news of Jesus with boldness. That just doesn't happen here on a Sunday morning. It happens out there wherever we go. We share the good news. When you see the tragedies, when you see what's going on in our world, day in, day out, just turn on the news and you just hear. I mean, down in Oregon with those shootings just this past week, and you're like, what is going on in our world? We have good news. We have an anchor. We have Christ. We have the word of God. And we know that we've got a future that is secure in Christ. We have to share that. He's given us a message to share. And that is a message of freedom that is marked with joy and laughter. You know, we should be some of the most laughter-filled and have the most fun in life than anyone in the world. But so oftentimes we just kind of... Go through life. No, remember what he has done. We've been set free. We have a future secure. We have power promised to us today. That's amazing. You know, like, I guess there's some sports team in Toronto that is doing quite well right now. And I'm not talking about the Leafs, you know. But, uh, I mean, we have watched more baseball in just the last... um, week or so, two weeks as a family, which doesn't mean very much. I mean, you can do a lot of other things. Well, you know, you can paint and watch the paint dry or you can watch baseball, you know, and yet it does get a little more exciting now that the Jays are in it. And, and so even the other night, we were just all kinds of tran- transfixed at, um, as, as we were watching, as, as we watched these guys with their GoPros on their head and their goggles on their eyes celebrating that they won. What did they win? The the Eastern Division or something. You know, they didn't even win the pennant. They haven't even won the World Series yet, but they're partying like there's no tomorrow. And for some of them, that tomorrow came rather quickly. But they wear those goggles so the champagne doesn't burn. And, and you just see these guys, and, and, and I don't know, it was just rather interesting. I'll just do this, you know. I'll just take it off so I don't, you know, frighten you. But they're like... <laughs> kind of cool, but there's an emptiness to it. The world doesn't promise the same joy and fulfillment that we have when we know what he has done, that we've been set free. If Christ has set you free, you're free. Not 
I don't need the champagne and squirting it. You know, maybe after the service, our, after our one-year anniversary, we're going to enjoy some cake together. Maybe we should have got some champagne and put on our goggles and, you know, like, woo, woo, you know, like, just, you know, there's just an emptiness to it. Like, I, I was watching that. Sure, I was happy for them, but it was just, but, but so what? Big deal. This won't matter in eternity. This will not matter one year from now because there'll be others, probably not them celebrating. You know, five, six years ago from now, big deal. 50, 60 years from now, it'll just be a stat on a sheet. But in Christ, when we have freedom, when we have life, that he's, it's forever. And our bodies are going to give out, and some of yours are. You know, and, and, and so, I, along with me, but we've got eternity. Amazing. We should be filled with joy and thanksgiving and glad. And then people should notice the nations around us. He set us free. This is good news. We have something to celebrate. The Lord has done great things in our midst. The Lord has done great things in our lives. Each one of you who knows Christ, you have a story. The Lord has done great things in your life. Some of you have walked through hardships and trials. The Lord has done great things in your life. He is so faithful. He is so good. But you know what? Um, so God's at work, so I will praise him. I trust you're going to praise him today for the work that he has done in our midst in this last year, but the work that he's been doing and, and is going to do in, in our lives. And second of all, God's at work, so I will pray for immeasurably more. Look at in verse 4. It says, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev was a desert region in, in the south part of, of Israel, and, and every year it would become desolate and very dry. But once a year, through a certain season, there would be heavy rains, and, and the rains would pour down, and from the desert, they couldn't even contain all the rain, there would be these streams that would flow out from there. And so they're saying, oh God, restore our land, restore our fortunes. Like the streams, like, like what happens there? Because we become dry. We become weary in our faith, in our walk. Life has a tendency of wearing us down, beating us up, tiring us out. And we press on. You want to live a godly life? Be prepared to face opposition. Be prepared to, to face persecution, whether that's in your mind or from without. It will happen. But Lord, would you restore us? Would you restore the joy? Oh God, we want more of you. Like, like when it rains there in the desert region and, the, and, and, and it causes these streams, that's what we want because we become dry. Oh God, just flood our lives again and new and afresh. Because it's easy to become dry and discouraged in the work of God. It's easy to become weary, desiring to live that godly life. And this is a prayer, oh God, would you restore us? More of your power, more of your victory over sin and temptation. Lord, flood, flood the land so that those idols that are distracting me, those idols of, of money, of, of possessions, of power would not flood over that. Drown it out with your power, with your presence. We just don't want you to, we just don't want saving grace in our life, but a sanctifying grace, a sanctifying work. That's happening. 
And so this is, first of all, here, this prayer, this restore our fortunes. It's a prayer, oh God, do a work inside me. Restore, refresh, renew, revive. But this is also an outward prayer. And this has been our theme over the last year. Oh Lord, would you do immeasurably more, taken from Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That has been our prayer. Lord, more souls saved. Lord, more baptisms, more transformed lives, more victory over sin, more victory over addictions and fear. There are so many of God's people that are encompassed, that are, are encased in areas of fear, whether it's fear of man, fear of, of the future, fear of all kinds of, you know, whether it's a resource issue or a health issue or whatever, and we're so boggled down with those kind of things. Oh, Lord, restore us, set us free. Oh, Lord, we need, and that's only going to come through more and more of him. May we return to him, the only one who can set us free. Like David prayed, oh, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And that salvation comes from him. In Psalm 51, we don't, we don't gather Sunday after Sunday um, to get our, you know, spiritual little check mark. You know, like, oh, I guess, well, I, I should go to church. Or we do it out of guilt or, you know, oh, it will look good if I go to church and, you know, get, get, get in good with, with the big guy. You know, hey, in church today, you notice? I'm like, yeah, I notice. You know, this is everything, right? It's not why we do it. We gather together to experience the grace and the glory of God together. To learn together to fail and to forgive and to stumble forward together as a people. Every week we gather as God's people and it's a strange mosaic of people that God has placed together here at Harvest Kelowna. We sit under the faithful teaching of God's word. We sing together about the beauty and the majesty of our God and the grace and the glory of Jesus Christ. And we come regularly as we will today to the Lord's Supper to proclaim our unity in Christ and the grace that he's given to us. Yeah, we're a diverse group of people, different walks of life, different experiences, but gathering together like this is crucial, crucial for, for, for God's growth in our life. This week I, I heard of a Christian man, it wasn't about this subject, but, but I heard um, him, him, this guy who made a comment to one of our kids, he said, well, I disagree with God's word in this certain area. He said, I know God's word says this, but, but I disagree with it. Who the thunder does he think he is? He thinks the God of the universe who created amazing things like we saw, like eclipses and blood moons and the ability for your body to do this kind of thing, like they cannot make a computer that can make some sort of a dummy or a mannequin do this kind of thing. With, you can't. The God of this universe who created all things and gave us his word, and it's just like, yeah, I disagree with God's word. Like, who does he think he is? How arrogant. But it's so easy for me to point a finger at that guy and say, that guy, that's bad. But when I do that, what's happening to me? There's fingers pointing back at me. Whenever I willingly 
choose, maybe I won't verbally say it, but when I choose not to follow God's word, I'm saying, I know better than you, God. No, we don't. We submit to his word in humble obedience. I don't like everything the word of God says in it. I don't. Some of it's hard to take, and some of it, it doesn't fit very well with our culture, and it doesn't fit very well with my culture of selfishness and pride. I take his word. I want to live it and follow it the best that I can with grace and humility, knowing that he does that work as I am faithful. He is faithful to do that work in our lives. Gathering together, God's word says, don't neglect the gathering together. Some people say, I love Jesus, I just don't like church. No, you know what? If, that, if, if, if that's true, if you hear that, no, you don't love Jesus in the way that he wants us to when we have that kind of an attitude. You can love Jesus, but not in the way that God's word calls us to. It's the church is his bride. It's kind of like, you know, me really liking, a, like hanging out with a certain guy, but, you know, I can't send your wife. So let's hang out together, but boy, don't bring her along. Don't want to have anything to do with her. She drives me crazy. You know, she's kind of irritating and, you know, kind of. Would that guy want to hang out with me? I don't think so. Not if he's a man of integrity. That's the same thing. The church is the bride of Christ. He loves it. He, he loves the church. He gave himself for it. And, and so we want to love the body of Christ. We want to serve the body of Christ. To know that Christ himself and the church are together and it's a package. And so that's why we gather together. That's why we're part of the body here together. Oh, May God flood over our souls and over our lives. Sunday after Sunday as we gather together, may we be restored. May there be healings. May there be forgiveness, empowerment. Oh God, may he embolden, embolden us. You see, the work of God just doesn't happen in this room or in the Harvest Kids room. It happens all throughout the week. It happens in the busyness and the, and, and the craziness of even set up and take down. One of the things I love seeing, and, and, and a couple weeks ago, saw some, a group of people before the service, they were off behind the curtain over in the concessionary, and, and they were praying. I'm like, I love that. Th this last week was one of my picture bits, I guess you could say, if you could put that next picture up of, of a family picture here. This was chaos. It was loud. It was crazy. People were taking things down. We were in a rush to get out of the theater by our 12 noon time, but someone had a need. And so right there in the middle of the, the lobby, that need was being prayed for. That's how we're, we restore one another, by taking it to God. In this room, out in the lobby, throughout the course of the week, walking with one another, caring for one another, multiplied amounts of that. Yes, please. Caring and ministering to one another. Yes, please. Being restored and refreshed. God uses you to restore and to refresh me. I trust he uses me to do that to you as we pray for, stand with, encourage, laugh together, smile together, celebrate together. God's at work, so I'm going to keep praying for immeasurably more. Oh, would he do immeasurably more in our midst? And thirdly, God's at work, so I will wait for the harvest that is yet to come. 
This is a look into the future, a, a praying for the future. Oh God, would you do something? And, and here in verse 5, if you t- take a look at this in your Bibles, it, it, it goes from this, I will praise him, the nations are noticing, well, I will praise him, and, and oh God, do some more. And now all of a sudden it gets kind of serious, it's kind of <clears throat> is clearing the throat of the psalmist here. And this is where it gets tough. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. You see, there's a cost. There's a cost to the work of God. There's going to be tears. And when the exiles would return to their homeland, when they would come back to Jerusalem and they would see the city in ruins, they would see that worship wasn't happening in the temple, they would see the walls destroyed, the homes destroyed, they would see the lands, the, the land, the fields that were so, so fertile, just, just filled with weeds and, and not taken care of. And it's just like everything has been decimated, everything has been destroyed. It's all in ruins. But it says, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. It means you get busy. You get busy with the work of God, even though it may look desolate and it may look like it's all been destroyed. Maybe when you look at the condition of your own heart today, and I don't care if you've known Christ for, for decades or if you don't know him yet, but you look at the condition of what's going on in your head when you were walking in the doors this morning. It wasn't rejoicing, it wasn't worship, it was heaviness and it was a weight and it was guilt and it was a burden and it, was just seem, it just seems, oh, this is too much, this is way too much. You look at your family, you look at our city, our nation, our world and you just see devastation and ruin and, and yet remember those who sow in tears, remember God is sovereign, he is in control. will reap with shouts of joy. Verse 5, those who sow will reap. But it says, with tears. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing. I encourage you to write down this statement. When God does a work, it means there's a price has been paid. A price has been paid. Whenever God does a work, a price has been paid. And if God's going to continue and you desire him to work in your life, a price has to be paid. And it's not money. It's not like, oh, I guess I better get out my credit card. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about it's going to require sacrifice of faith, of surrender, of death to ourselves. And what has happened here at Harvest Kelowna over the last number of years and this last year as we've been launching as a church at It's been an amazing ride at times. It's been that dream that has come true. As we planned and prayed and wondered together, I just love, it was a couple months ago, I heard one of our our dear folks who was with us from the beginning three years ago when we first started to meet and pray and say, oh God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And I heard heard this person, I overheard a conversation. I I have good hearing still, so that's a good thing sometimes. And um, I, I heard this comment and they said, We've been praying for a church like this ever since we moved to Kelowna, I think like 15 years ago. I can't remember that detail of what they said. We never thought it would happen like this. We never thought it would be like this, but wow, is God faithful. Wow, is God good. When God is at work, there is a price to be paid. 
and this past year, I've said, has been a lot of fun, but there's been a price that's been paid. It, it hasn't all been easy. There have been many tears that have been shed. There's been tough labor. It's been weary work at times. There's been hard meetings and difficult dis- discussions. There have been those who have come. There are those who have left. And, you know, every time that happens, there's a part that it hurts. It does. But we keep going. We keep going in faith. Those who sow in tears will reap with shouts of joy. Sowing in tears. Who is it that you're crying over? Is it that prodigal who's wandering away from God? Is it that unsaved loved one or spouse or friend or co-worker? We continue to, to keep praying for a certain relationship to restore it and it, it's not happening. Our prayers and, and, and oftentimes maybe we're even moved to tears saying, God, I can't stand this. God, what are you doing? I, I don't get this. I can't do this on my own. The life of the farmer means you put seed into the ground and, and you wait and you water and you weed and the harvest doesn't come right away. The seed has to die. There's a step of faith there saying this seed, I could either use it or put it in the ground. The cold, dark, dirty ground. But John 12, 24, truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, so, so when he says truly, truly, he's saying, listen up. So listen up. I say unto you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There has to be a death in order for there to be a harvest. This means surrender. It means letting go. It's saying, not my will, but yours be done. You might say, but but everything in my life right now, it looks like a failure. Think about this. This week I took some time just thinking about Jesus. The night that he died. The night that he went into the ground, into the grave. His three and a half years looked pretty much like a failure, didn't it? Crowds scattered. They had been following him, but they were fickle. They were gone. His disciples who he'd been pouring into for three and a half years. <laughs> Where you guys go? What's going on? Peter even denies him. No one. Looked like a pretty big failure. But it goes into the ground. It dies. But then there's life resurrection life and that is true for each one of us it's the law of the harvest but are we willing to put it into the ground step of faith sowing in tears the harvest something i heard a couple weeks ago that i'm going to the bank on i love this statement it will probably stick with me for a long time you'll probably hear me say it a lot and it is it it happened at our, our prayer night a couple weeks ago and And there was a statement that one of the pastors made. He says, we have to remember this. The harvest doesn't come at the end of the sermon. The harvest comes at the end of the age. It comes over time. We want quick results. We want to see results for what we're doing right away. And it doesn't happen that way. But God is faithful. He will do it. I have some seeds here in my hand. And there's a picture of them on the took one just so you could see them, and they're quite colorful seeds. They're bean seeds, and, and I found just a handful of these a couple of years ago in one of the drawers in our house, and, um, and I knew exactly what they were because I saw the handwriting on them, and they were of my grandmother's. They were, um, up until their late 90s, they, they put in their own garden, and, and uh, 
my grandmother had the best tasting pole beans that you could ever, I mean, just, and the way she would put them in a casserole, amazing. For, for a guy who thought beans were pretty disgusting, they were amazing. And I remember a number of years ago, she gave me some of these seeds, but I didn't know what happened to them, and I found them in her drawer. And there they were, just sitting in my drawer for a number of years, made a few housing changes and different things like that. And I found them here after we moved to Kelowna, and I'm like, oh, great, but there was only a handful. There was, there was just a few like you see there. And it's pretty cool. Now I've got a lot more of those. And, 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 and look at this. I, I have some beans. And, and the next picture even shows how these crazy beans grow. Like, I mean, they just, the longer the pole you put up, like when I put the pole up, Charlotte's like, you're not serious. That's going to look ugly because it was an ugly pole. But soon it looked amazing. It was filled with this great vine. And, and the beans, I mean, these are just, anyone? Anyone? Yeah, they are so good. They will probably be. Hey, oh, terrible catch. We'll try another one, Mary. Here, it's the, oh, she got it. Okay, anyone else? Okay, I'm going way back there. There you go. Enjoy. Oh, watch out now. Anyways, a few more left for after the service. Amazing. Just, I, I went and picked these yesterday. Oh, there you go. Okay, right. And, uh, but you know what? Sitting in the drawer, those seeds were just sitting there. And I, I remember putting them into the ground the first year, and I'm thinking, I hope they're still good. And, and I put them into the ground, and it, it, I kind of snuck a place in the garden where Charlotte didn't know uh, where I was planting them, and I wanted to surprise her. And, but then I, I was concerned they weren't growing, and so then I'm digging around, like, you know, after you know, a week or so, nothing's happening, and I'm like, I could destroy it, but are they growing? I sure hope they are. And sure enough, in time, they started to grow. And now we've got beans. We've got seed for next year. I'd even have a few to share with you if you're interested. Maybe today your faith is very small. It's like one of these little seeds. But in order for there to be a harvest, in order for God to do only what God can do, it's got to go into the ground. It's got to go in there. You've got to cover it over, make sure it's moist, and the seed has to die. But if it dies, it produces a great harvest many times over than this one little seed. It's amazing, the law of the harvest, what happens when we give things to God in that way. As we give ourselves in surrender and we take our hands off, it means letting go and waiting for God, waiting for the harvest. Maybe it's that painful circumstance you've been walking through and you wonder, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Remember, God is sovereign. He's in control. And he's aware of everything that's happening. As we surrender and we put it into the ground and say, okay, God, I don't know. As we sow in tears and say, okay, God, it's yours. We will reap with shouts of joy, bringing our sheaves, bringing our abundance with us, a bountiful harvest. That is what he is wanting. That is the law of the harvest. That is God's faithfulness to us. And this, this past week, I was able to, to visit with an old friend of mine who was visiting from Saskatchewan, and, and we had a very short time together. And, and this guy, when I first started in ministry quite a few years ago, uh, he, I would meet with him weekly. He was like a friend, a mentor to me, and, and actually, Charlotte's and my first 
unofficial date was at their place to watch a Billy Graham video. And, you know, how spiritual is that for a young pastor, right? Hey, you want to come over and watch this video? It, it worked. We're married. And so you, Billy Graham video, was, it, it was great. We, we, he ended up emceeing our wedding. Charlotte and I babysat their, their two sons that are now, like, grown and married and grow all kinds of facial hair. Too much for my liking, personally, and I told them that last week. But, you know, that, that's okay. And... Um, you know, and, and so we spent some time just catching up. We really haven't sat down for probably at least 15 years. And he caught little snippets of my life. He's caught little snippet. I caught some of his life. But we came together and just kind of started walking him through the last number of years and, and the last decade and a half since we really had that sit-down talk. And I was just... Afterwards, I texted him and said, I didn't even tell you about this. And I didn't even tell you about this. And, and, and how God can take hard, difficult circumstances, devastating things, and bring his glory out of them. He is the God of the harvest. With joy, we can expect him to work as we surrender, as we put those seeds into the ground. That old song, Amazing Grace, that one line, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It's grace that brought me safe this far. It's his grace that brings you through. And it will be his grace that will lead you home. And there are stories in this room up and down the aisles of people who have walked through hard, difficult, devastating, almost like I can't live. I don't know if I can live, want to live any further, any longer. And God has been faithful. And over time, he has brought that harvest or he is bringing that harvest Remember, those who sow with tears will reap with shouts of joy, bringing their sheaves with them. Giving it to God. What seeds do you need to put in the ground today? What do you need to surrender to him? Your children, grandchildren, your spouse, that work situation, that battle that's going on in your mind, that bitterness, that hurt that, that has been, been wronged, that unforgiveness, you just can't seem to let it go. That relationship, that marriage, you take and you stick that in the ground and you put it in there and you cover it and say, okay, God, it's yours. And it may be with tears as you're letting it go. But God will bring beauty. He will bring a glorious harvest from even something that doesn't even look that amazing. Something that is devastating. That's the, the God we serve. We'll reap with shouts of joy. God's at work, so we will praise him his faithfulness in the past. We will pray in the presence for immeasurably more and we're going to trust him for that harvest that is yet to come. That we won't give up. We're going to close our time this morning celebrating the Lord's Supper and I'm going to ask the, the worship band to come at this time.